Welcome to the Live Your Purpose podcast, featuring compelling interviews with big-hearted people in the Oklahoma City metro area who are leading, creating, and innovating on purpose. Get inspired by conversations with passionate difference makers from our local community. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. On today's episode, we sit down with Carrie Cronin, a passionate advocate for eating disorders, mental health, suicide prevention, and education. And now, the Live Your Purpose Podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Live Your Purpose Podcast. I'm here today with Carrie Cronin, who is the founder of Reaching for Recovery, an organization that offers self-help resources and advocacy for eating disorders, mental health, suicide prevention, and education. Carrie has seven years in recovery from an eating disorder and is passionate about helping others who are seeking relief from disordered eating. She volunteers for the Oklahoma Eating Disorders Association and World Eating Disorders Action Day, which takes place every year on June 2nd. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, it's so good to be able to have you join me. We've known each other for several years now, and it's really been inspiring to follow along with all the work that you do. Thank you. Yeah. So as you may know, we start off each episode with a kickoff question, and you've chosen yours. And so we'll just ask that question and see where the conversation takes us. Okay. Okay. So Carrie, what are the struggles and triumphs that have most shaped your life? Well, I, when I was born, I had a personality trait for, I was type A. I want everything perfect and everything just right. Yeah. And it d- developed into an eating disorder because I wanted things, I wanted to be slim. I wanted to be the perfect kid, the perfect everything. And then as I got older, it stayed with me and it developed into a full eating disorder in mm. high school. By high school. Okay. So had you noticed some some of the trends towards or the some of the signs towards disordered eating before that time? No, back then eating disorders were not recognized like they are today. Mm. Um, no one in my high school um, came to me and said, oh, you have an eating disorder. They just said it was just a little bit of depression. You'll get over it. It's just a phase. Okay. But then by the time, sometime in high school, it was either you realized or it was diagnosed that you did indeed? Um. In college, my second year of college, um, I realized it was an eating disorder. Oh, okay. And I went and Googled some people to see if I could find some help. Mm-hmm. And so when you did that, when you recognized that, hey, I've got an eating disorder, and you're welcome to share any of that, that you would like or to withhold any of your mm-hmm. story that you like. That's always your prerogative. But when you recognized, I think I have this, and you Googled and got some more information, when you reached out to those first few resources, what were those initial conversations like for you? They were the scariest conversations to have. Admitting you have a mental illness and an eating disorder is the hardest thing that anyone does. It's it's very stigmatized today. And back then I admitted to it because I wanted help because I knew that if I kept on this path, I was going to die. Right. Yeah. You had a sense that this was not going to end well. And, and in somewhat related, in my own story, uh, you know, I've suffered addiction to alcohol and drugs for years. And I'm in recovery, as you are now in recovery, mm-hmm. from 
uh, disordered eating. And I can't wait to talk more about that journey. But I know looking back, being able to identify those first few steps that I took to seek help, I identify so much with that fear, that anxiety, um, the almost terror of coming face to face with this, <clears throat> this stigmatized uh, affliction. Uh, it's something that I didn't for myself, didn't really want to come to terms with, didn't know how to, and didn't know how it was going to affect my life. So um, it takes a lot of courage to share about your story. Yes, it's very inspiring. I want to inspire others with my story. Oh, totally. And you are. And so we're going to get to that. So from those first few contacts that you made and you started your journey towards recovery, what was sort of the process that you took to, to seek help? And then what, what type of help did you get? Um, I saw, I Googled a, a professional in the Oklahoma City area, and she was the only person in this area that had a profession with eating disorders and she was a psychologist mm -hmm. and I she referred me to a doctor who knew nothing about eating disorders and that person referred me to a dietitian that knew nothing about eating disorders so it was a catch-22 I was pretty much stuck in my eating disorder because mm -hmm. the only form of help I was getting was therapeutic okay so there was some help that you were getting but it was just through that one lens mm -hmm. through, through therapy Correct. And you have I we've talked before and before we turned on the microphones today we talked about uh, the different aspects of recovery from an eating disorder. And did you want to talk a little bit about those as aspects and um, recovery from an eating disorder is kind of threefold. Mm -hmm. You can't just have a physician treat the eating disorder. You need a physician educated in eating disorders, you need a dietitian educated in eating disorders that puts you on a meal plan. And you go back to every week for accountability. And you need the therapeutic part to mm -hmm. find the underlying cause on why and how you got to where you're at. Right. So those three, you have the, the medical, you have the nutrition, and you have the mental health. Correct. Those three components. And as, as Carrie mentioned, of course, I'm a life coach. And, and so I'm not certified to treat um, any kind of disorder, including addiction, which I have suffered from myself. But um, what Carrie is talking about here is getting those specialists who are certified in, in those ways uh, to get the help that you need. And, and Carrie, what you're telling us now is that it's, you didn't find that initially. You just had that last piece, that mental health piece. Uh, what did it take to get the other two parts, the other two components of your treatment? It took many, many years for mm. our community to grow, to have eating disorder professionals come here. Mm -hmm. And in Norman, Oklahoma, there's a group of professionals that specializes in eating disorders, and I found them. Mm. And then they referred me to a facility in Norman, another facility, and they saved my life. Wow. And I've been, it has been nine years of saving my life. That's incredible. So nine years. And, and that's time that you've had in recovery or this was the length this of This is your... the length of time I was in the, under the care of a physician, oh, a dietitian, yeah. and a therapist. Okay. Yes. So this is, it's long term. Is that what you're, is that one way of saying it? Or how would you describe Um, I can what describe it. it and mm -hmm. you, you relapse and then you get your help. Yeah. And then as you further go along in recovery, it lessens. You have less appointments. You have, and that's where I'm at. I'm outpatient. 
and I have very few appointments a week. It's just to touch base, basically. Yeah. Because it is, you can struggle, and you can't take a day off of recovery. I love that. That's such a key point. If, if you all uh, didn't hear that, Carrie just said that you can't take a day off of recovery. I would echo that, which I just did, <laughs> because that is so true for me in my situation. If I take a day off of recovery from alcoholism uh, and I either minimize it or I think that there's an exception for me today and I think, well, I can just have one drink. Well, guess what? That's not been the case in my past. And I've proved myself that to myself over and over and over again. And I'm just imagining, Carrie, that as you mentioned relapse, which is certainly a big part of my recovery, that uh, you know the, the mindset may be similar at times for those suffering with eating disorders that, you know, this is just one time or it'll be different this time. Correct. I mean, you can't go without food. Yeah. I mean, that's part of recovery. You have to have a dietitian to help you with that aspect of your recovery. Yeah, and that's what's different. That's an important point, too, for uh, folks like me that um, I can't claim that I do have an eating disorder, but I do know that you know, I am an alcoholic and drug addict. And so to function uh, optimally or normally, I don't need alcohol. However, I do need to eat. And so for those that may not suffer with this uh, disordered eating, that's one thing to really consider. And that's one of the stigmas that I hear these messages all the time, and I'm not going to say too many of them, but it's uh, one that I hear as well, you know, just eat the right food, and you just need to eat today, and just keep your food down. These kinds of statements um, are not helpful to those that are, uh, that are suffering and that are uh, seeking recovery. So get those specialists, and you, what you found, mm-hmm. and you stuck with them for nine years, even through the ups and downs, Yes. And then what happened? Because at some point, something started to change for you. I started getting better yeah. from the doctor here in Norman and right. the therapist and the dietitian, and my appointments lessened, and I was able to feel free for the first time in my life. Oh, my goodness. So what was that like? How would you describe those first, I don't know, days, months, or even a year when you started It was like the eating disorder was on the back wagon. Uh. It's like I was moving forward, it was moving backwards. Wow. And I was living life without an eating disorder for the first time in my life. It's like an aha moment. Yeah. It was truly the most amazing experience I have ever experienced in my life. Yeah. So this, this feeling, this experience that you had, this is possible. Yes, recovery is possible. Right, because those that are listening in, they may take themselves out of their own story for recovery which I certainly did in my own journey. I thought, you know what? This isn't going to work. It's hopeless for me. I might as well just keep doing what I'm doing, which was negative and self-destructive at the time. But I found out different. And what Carrie's saying is the same. So those that are listening and thinking that recovery may not be for you, Carrie is here to tell you that you might think twice about that because recovery is possible. And so with your recovery, you started recovering those, those early days and months and a couple of years. It took a couple of hospitalizations yeah. to um, get me to where I am today. Okay. And th- that was kind of like a push for me to mm-hmm. get to recovery. And I thought, I'll try it one last time. Yeah. And that one last time was the last time I was in the hospital. And I went into full recovery. Oh, I just, I just had a shiver. 
right? So I, uh, that is very powerful. And so with that last visit, you launched or transitioned into a new phase of life. <clears throat> when, when that moment happened and, and something began to change, what did you start to do that was new and different than the life you had been living? Well, I have coping skills. Mm-hmm. I have to learn. I use affirmations every day. I take them with me in the car. I take them in the bathroom when I'm getting ready in the morning. And I say to myself, one may say, I have a purpose. And I carry it with me all day, reminding myself, I have a purpose. I'm here for a reason. And I think my purpose is to help others who are struggling with an eating disorder, just like I went down their path. Mm-hmm. I want to help them. Absolutely. And I've, and I've seen from social media the work that you do. And I've even had uh, individuals come back to me talking about the work that you do. Uh, and I've sent people your way from time to time uh, with what you do now. And so maybe this is a good time to transition into some of what you do, especially through your organization, which is Reaching for Recovery. Did you want to describe a little bit about what you do there? Reaching for Recovery was developed for people who have no access to treatment whatsoever. It's simply self-help. It's mm-hmm. not. I'm not a professional. I don't offer medical care or I don't offer food advice or um, physician advice. It's just self-help. If someone needs to talk, I'm here. I'll hear listen without judgment and see they just don't have anyone to talk to and they need help. Or maybe they need some, something to guide them. So that's what I do. Yeah. And we'll have links in our show notes to, to all that Carrie's talking about today. We'll be sure to connect our listeners up with those resources. Uh, because one of the many things that Carrie is really great at is providing access to resources. And uh, if you can't already tell from listening to her, she cares. She cares about your recovery. She cares about uh, helping others to save their lives and to find their purpose. And, uh, and she's done quite a bit of that in these last several years. Is it, is it seven years, right? Of, Correct. Of reco- That's phenomenal. And so congratulations. Thank you. Publicly on that. <laughs> so, well, really good. I've looked at the Facebook page and last, t- last check, there was like 2,200 followers or something like this. So <laughs> you've got something going on. What are some of the things that you're talking about on social media through Reaching for Recovery? And, and what are the ways that folks are engaging with you? Well, I talk about the white stigma mm-hmm. that's been going on lately. And I do inspirational stories, so whether it be bipolar, depression, suicide, eating disorders. And I cover it all. And then sometimes I do inspirational graphics that people resonate with and they share on their own page. And I've gotten messages from people say, this, this article saved my life this week. Mm-hmm. Keep doing it. Yes. And that statement, for those that don't realize, that's very real. Um, those that, that are struggling in the ways that Carrie is describing, that don't have access, that don't have the funding, that are otherwise unable uh, to, to get access to the, the specialization and the treatment that they really need, uh, they're getting support and resources and encouragement through what Carrie's offering through Reaching for Recovery. So again, we'll give the, those links to you in the show notes, but uh, go check them out. Go check out her work at Reaching for Recovery and, uh, and, and join. And join. There's some great conversations and a lot of hope going on. And, and of course, without mentioning too many details or names, we want to be careful about that, which we've already talked about before the show. But um, 
Did you want to describe some of the success stories that you've had, either through reaching for recovery or or just in your work with other individuals who, who have been suffering? I had a few individuals come up to me and have their own child had an eating disorder and they didn't know what to do mm-hmm. because they've been cycled through the system over and over and still no success. Yeah. And I was able to connect them to the people here locally and to um, some of them, I saved their life. Mm-hmm. They're doing well today. And those people thank me over and over. They, to this day, I'm still in touch with them. And they message me, I can't thank you enough. You saved my child's life. Yeah. And that's really powerful, Carrie. And what were some of the things that you were able to do in general terms that you were able to do that, that helped to save that person, those people's lives. I connect them with a doctor in Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah. The only doctor in Metro that treats eating disorders. Mm. And um, she was willing to take her on. Mm-hmm. And um, she saved her life. Yeah, so one specific person. And this, I think it's okay if we mention the doctor, if you feel okay about it, so that folks will know that this resource is out there. So what, what's the doctor in Norman? Um, Dr. Megan Sears, and she's an eating disorder specialist in Norman, Oklahoma, and she's the founder, medical director of Living Hope. Okay, so we will have those links in the show notes for resources. So if you hear this from out of state and you don't have resources in your state, this is one resource. Uh, along with Carrie, because you'll want to connect with her and have conversations and she'll plug you in. So that's phenomenal. So yeah, the the act of helping to save someone's life, there really is no other feeling like it. And do you see, this is a question we haven't talked about, but do you see any connection, maybe there is or maybe there isn't, between how, how your life, uh, you found a new life or your life was saved in some way through your own recovery? And then the work that you're doing now? I found um, through music. Oh, music, yeah. It has saved my life. Yeah. And then um, I'm an instructor. Mm-hmm. So through music, it has helped me grow as a person and outside of my eating disorder and find my purpose and find me. I'm helping people every single day. And that's phenomenal that I'm able to help people. And that's my, that's my calling. That's my purpose is to help people. And that's what I want to do. And I'm going to keep doing it and keep doing it. Yeah. And what is the drive that keeps you doing it, keeps you doing this purpose, this calling? Because I don't want one more person to die from an eating disorder because lack of help. That's very clear. Yeah. Go ahead. You were going to say something else. Eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of any psychiatric illness, even Mm. car crashes. And that's high. And if I can help one person that's living today, mm-hmm. who, who might not be living, then I know my purpose is this, and I've done my deed. That's very clear, isn't it, to use that word again. And, and that's oftentimes when we know that we're in our purpose is it really connects with our own story at some level. It could be like Carrie's describing now that's very direct to her own journey. Uh, it, but it may, for those listeners out there, that maybe you don't have an eating disorder or addiction, but, but you're searching for purpose. The story that Carrie's sharing with you right now, I'm guessing that you can probably relate to in some way, shape, or form. And so if you're thinking, you know what, I don't know what my purpose is, I'm not sure if I have one, or I just need to keep going through the motions, guess what, you don't. You, you do have a purpose, there is a reason for your being, and it's connected most likely to your story. 
something that you value in life that you really think is important, uh, a contribution or a difference that you make in the world, and then your sense of who you are, which is harder to define, but just your personality and, and the way that you engage the world. Those are three different ways to really look at, um, at your purpose. And so Carrie's described, I think, all of those in one way or another. And you talked about, I wanted to, to bounce back a little bit to the beginning of your story. You talked about the personality aspect uh, of, of yourself and, and then how that seemed to affect your um, eating disorder. It was my personality, my temperament, mm-hmm. my environment yeah. that all played a role in my eating disorder. Right. And mm. I had the perfectionist personality growing up and everything went perfect. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know I had a problem at a young age. And as I grew older, I still didn't know I had a problem until high school. Yeah. And I was in, I was in music a lot in the drama department and music, which is very type A perfectionism going on in that department. And then I realized this is just really bad for me to Mm -hmm. be perfect like this because it's driving the eating disorder. Ah, yeah. So that's a powerful realization. So perfectionists out there, like me, like the host of the show, (laughs) I'm a recovering perfectionist. I say that very honestly. And so, you know, to set the bar more reasonably for ourselves is often a lifetime journey. Uh, I still have very high expectations. It makes me a great coach. I've heard that from others. I'm not just saying it myself. But, but that perfectionist has a dark side, too, and it still does for me. I can get involved in, in distractions of all kinds and, and uh, self-doubt and anxiety. And, and I don't even know what it is sometimes. I just get lost in it. So um, I can definitely relate to what Carrie's saying there, whether you're performing in music and trying to reach a certain bar or you're in the workplace and you're trying to be perfect in your work or the perfect uh, partner for somebody at home, whatever that is. Uh, A lot of folks that listen to my podcast are perfectionists, I think. So (laughs) you're not alone out there and and there is a, a way to move forward. Well, Carrie, so we have, we were talking about purpose. And so I know that you have, um, been very active in the Zumba world. And I wondered if you wanted to talk a little bit about that, how you got started and how it relates to, to your purpose. And um, I started with some friends who invited me to their class. And I started taking their class once a week. That's it. I started once a week. And for the first time in my life, I felt free. Mm. I didn't care if I was perfect. I didn't care what others thought of me. I was free to do my own thing. And that's really a huge part of my recovery <laughs> is to be free and to do my own thing and not having to worry about what others are thinking all the time, mm-hmm. but to focus on myself. Right. So what, when we spoke off mic about this a little bit, but could you share with the listeners a little bit about what was it that helped you to feel free and, and how did that happen? I was able to engage with the participants in the class. Mm-hmm. None of them had eating disorders nor knew about my past. And so it's like I was living a life without the eating disorder. None of them knew and I was eating lunch with them and I wasn't scared to eat with them. I wasn't scared to go have coffee with them. I wasn't scared to go out and have fun. Mm-hmm. I was there living life. And that's what everyone needs to know is you can move past your eating disorder and live life to the fullest. 
Yes, and I believe that 100%. I'm sitting here with Carrie now, and I'm telling you, that was a true statement. <laughs> um, and, and you know when someone's free, and it's, it's easy to recognize in other people. Once you find that kind of freedom, you may call it another word. I like that word, because once I found freedom from the chains of addiction and my identity as an alcoholic, like this is always going to be this way. There's no way out of this storyline. I used to think that every day. Uh, I don't have to think that anymore. And when that storyline goes away, you start a new one. And so what I'm hearing you say, Carrie, is that you still include music, but it doesn't have to be a perfect performance. You're still acting or performing or dancing. Yes. But it doesn't have to be just right all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dancing is freeing for me. Um, yeah. It's not perfect, and I don't want it to be. I mm-hmm. just want to have fun doing yeah. it. And listening to music uplifts me. Every time I turn on the radio, it uplifts me in some way. Yeah. As a fellow music lover, I can totally relate to that as well. And so, well, um, let me ask you this question. It's related, but it's a slight shift. And so we've been talking about pieces of this, but how is life in recovery for you? Life in recovery is truly amazing. Yeah. I don't ever think about my eating disorder. I eat when I'm hungry. I slap when I'm full. Mm-hmm. I listen to my body. If it needs more food that day, it's okay. It all even out. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have extra nutrition because sometimes when you get sick, your body needs that extra nutrition. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to have fun with my friends and not care about what the eating disorder is telling me to do. Mm Because you know you have the eating disorder voice in your head telling you you need to do the opposite of what's healthy for you. Mm -hmm. And I don't listen to it. I do not hear the voice. Yeah. So it's gotten to the point where where the voice is is not prominent. It's not uh, maybe yelling at you or just so persistent or, you know, just nonstop to where it's, it's not there. Or it's, or it's quiet, you know, it's not causing you to take the actions that you were taking before, which is phenomenal. That sounds like freedom to me. And so um, what do you do to maintain your recovery? You mentioned affirmations and you eat and you just mentioned several other things, you know, self-care sounds like was what you're doing too, but don't let me put words in your mouth. What else do you do to sustain your recovery? You're correct. I do a lot of self-care. Mm-hmm. Every day I take time to myself. Self-care is an important part of my recovery. Mm-hmm. And whether it be art, reading, or I could do affirmations, or maybe I'm making my own affirmations. I do that every single day, and I journal. Journaling is very therapeutic. If you don't journal, I highly suggest it. Yeah, and they can probably... Could they reach out to you for tips on journaling? I can refer them to a person to contact for journaling. That's great. Okay. Do you mind if I ask you what, not the content, but what types of, um, what? how are you writing in your journal? Um, there's journal prompts that I have yeah. from when I was in treatment that I use a journal prompt every day mm-hmm. and I write on that topic. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. So it's guided and you have some structure mm-hmm. and... That I'm guessing that may help with accountability a little bit. It's, it's already something there for you to, to, to answer, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, wonderful. So you've heard several tips for if you're in recovery of any kind and, and these sound appealing to you, uh, contact Carrie or, you know, um, continue doing what you're doing to sustain your own recovery. 
But I know for me, I should, I should say on this point too, when I was early on in recovery, it took all kinds of specialists, like, like Carrie mentioned as well for her. And so we do encourage you to seek those out. And you can contact me if you're struggling with alcoholism or addiction. I don't treat it, okay? But, but I can certainly put you in touch with uh, great resources, lots of folks who do, okay? So we encourage you to take responsibility for your addiction and believe that recovery is possible. Let's see. Okay, so one of the notes here is to talk about this accountability and support system. So what type of accountability and support system do you have in your life today? Um, I have a person that I talk to. I, um, she mentors me yeah. and um, we talk to each other and it's just like a check-in. How are you doing today? Or it might be a simple text. Are you doing okay today? And yeah. Or I might text that person. It's kind of, we help each other. Mm-hmm. And it's accountability, having an accountability partner of some sort for your recovery, I think is essential because you cannot do this alone. This is not possible to do recovery alone. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. I would echo that as well. It is, it is not possible. Don't try this at home. Get help. Uh, stay accountable. And uh, plug in. Plug in. If you feel yourself pulling away, you might be slipping. Um, wonderful. So... Um, let me ask you this question. It's, it's sort of a coaching question, but a good interview question too, I think. Who is Carrie without her eating disorder? Carrie is fun. Mm-hmm. She enjoys life. Yeah. She lives life to the fullest. Um, I, I'm an aunt. I love my niece yeah. to death. And um, I have a nephew. And I love football. I just enjoy life. I love to travel which I would have never done before. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so some, some of the, the eating disorder itself would have prevented you from taking on that challenge or is that what you're saying? Yeah. And eating disorders are very secretive. And mm-hmm. when you travel, yeah. it's very hard to go out of your comfort zone, what's comfortable. Yeah. And traveling is out of your comfort zone. And it was just amazing to travel on mm-hmm. your own and have fun. Yeah. So there's some more of that freedom, sort of like our spirit comes alive with this freedom. It's like you can be who you really are without this other identity that has that had been there. And so I love that answer. You know, there's so much joy and hope and what's the word vitality like life. You know, so it's really really cool to to be hearing this and seeing it in your life. Okay. Well, good. So I did want to get to some of the other organizations that you're working with and make sure we can cover as much of those as, as uh, you would like to. So where would you like to go next? I have some notes, but... Um, I would like to touch base on World Eating Disorder Action Day. Great. Tell me more about that. What is it and, and World Eating Disorder Action Day happens every calendar year, June 2nd, mm-hmm. and it's not just in the United States. It's worldwide. And we have the, what we call the nine truths about eating disorders. And there's different events in different countries that take place. Last year, our theme was show us your purple. And we had people decorated in purple. Every had events in purple, had galas. And it was just the pictures coming in were phenomenal. And you can visit the World Eating Disorder Action Day um, Facebook page and see the pictures there. Oh, great. And this is from, of course, this would have been from last year. Correct. June 2nd. 
that and by the time this podcast launches it will be coming up in just a couple of months you know three or four months so june 2nd world eating disorders action day okay so they can start they can go like that page and start getting ready for this year too right so do you have any sneak peeks about what might be happening for this year? Well, we're in the pre-planning stages, okay. so I don't have any sneak peeks sure. right now, but <laughs> yeah. we're pre-planning for this year. That makes sense. That would be pretty early. So, well, I'm excited. I, I liked the page, and I follow along, I think, on Instagram and Facebook. So I've been invited, I know. And Carrie invited me, and I'm glad that she did. So um, I should say, by the way, if there are individuals that I know... Um, and you don't know Carrie, and you're not sure if you want to, you know, that you have, oh, I don't know, the courage or the desire to reach out to her directly, you can contact me, and I will contact Carrie and put you in touch with her for any resources that you're looking for, okay? So just wanted to throw that in there. Um, right, so we've got that. Um, let's see. Oh, here in Oklahoma, right? The great state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Eating Disorders Association, did you want to share just a little bit about that? Um, I volunteered for them for several several years. Yeah. And we do every year what's called Conversations of Hope, which is a fundraiser. And they do different events throughout the year. They do dinners. They do um, walks, the Needle Walk, which is associated mm -hmm. with the Oklahoma Eating Disorder Association, which raises money for eating disorders. Yeah. So it's a fabulous resource if you're looking for resources to go to their webpage. Okay, and we'll have all of those links in the show notes too. And that last one, it was NEDA, right? N-E-D-A. And is... the National Eating Disorder Association. Yeah, and that's a walk that happens. It happens once a year. Once a year. I believe it's in April. Okay, yeah, and we'll get that information out for everybody. So lots of resources, lots of support. Um, what, let me ask you this. This wasn't, you know, talked about necessarily beforehand either, but Carrie, what, what are some of the challenges that Oklahoma specifically faces in terms of eating disorders and treatment of them? I think what we, the biggest challenge is, um, people knowing how to treat eating disorders mm -hmm. and we don't have enough healthcare providers that know how to treat eating disorders. Yeah. And they, Lots of times things attention seeking or it's a phase mm -hmm. or they'll grow out of it when really it's something much deeper. Mm -hmm. And I think insurance problems in healthcare is a huge factor too because mm -hmm. people aren't able to afford treatment all the time. Yeah. And it plays a role in their recovery. Yes. Right. And so uh, Oklahoma, I'm not uh, shaming our state, but we do have a lot of challenges in terms of uh, mental health care. And, and education. I know a lot of educators, and, and uh, I would count myself as one of those. And so these are challenges that we do face, but there are resources. And so there's people like Carrie that are connecting people with lots of other resources. You mentioned the, uh, the doctor in Norman and the facility there. Are there any others in the state that, that you can think of and name? That... There's a facility in Tulsa, Oklahoma called Laureate. Mm -hmm. And it's still, it's about two hours away, but in the metro, there's Living Hope Eating Disorder Center that helps you if you're local. Okay, so local to the Oklahoma City metro, and then if you you know want to check out Tulsa, uh, we'll have again that information. So there are places here, uh, and we're we're aware there are limitations with families and friends that I've spoken with and and tried to refer out um, for help. It's 
the state of Oklahoma, it's, it's tough to find help, but you're not alone. So if nothing else, if you're tuning in, you're not. Uh, and there, there are folks that, are, uh, that have struggled with where you're at, and they have come through the other side and are living with purpose right now. So wonderful resources there and more to be done. Any entrepreneurs listening in, there's a market for you. There's a, there's a lot of opportunity for uh, some level of care uh, and improvement, uh, the treatment of eating disorders in the state, along with advocacy. So definitely think about that. All right, Carrie. Well, I have a couple of other things here that I meant wanted to cover. Let's see. Oh, yeah. So you talk a lot about values and um, how they they're meaningful to you in your life today. What you don't have to know, you know, the terms for your values, but if you do know them, what what are some of your values? Question one. And then how are they playing a role in your life today? Well, one of my top values is my life. Mm-hmm. And it played a role with my recovery. My life means everything to me. Mm-hmm. And it plays with the eating disorder when you're active in it, you're your life isn't your life. You're not in control of it. And I want to take care of my body. I want to be able to live. I want my life to be to the fullest. So my top value, I value my life. That is so incredibly meaningful. You know, and when we really value our lives like Carrie does hers, uh, it's, it's so um, life-changing. Especially when when we know where you came from and your story that you've described and to, to know now that you're free and you're living life and therefore life is a gift and there's power in that power to impact other people's lives and, and hope that they will want to experience freedom and the joy of being alive. Very similar to, to much of the work that I do as a coach is helping people tap into their values and their their sense of empowerment, you know, lining up with who they are and the difference that they want to be making in the world. And so I can't get enough of it. I could sit around and have conversations just like this one all the time because it's so life affirming. And so I appreciate that. That's a, that's a wonderful statement. Um, yeah. So with music, the role of music in your life, you had mentioned, you know, uh, some of the challenges and issues around music in high school, and then there was this transition to where music came back for you, and and it's so um, prevalent in your life again. And there's a lot of music in your family. Right? Yes. Yeah. So, did you want to talk a little bit about that? And um, my family is in the music industry. Both my parents are professional musicians, as well as my brother, and they play weddings and quartets. And I grew up playing the violin, and then I transitioned after high school into something else. Um, I went to college, didn't know what I wanted to do, and then later, towards my recovery, I decided I found a new passion for music in a different form. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't classical, it was more Latin. And I enjoyed it. I didn't know the words to it, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. And so music came back around to you. It probably never really left, but it took on a new form and a new, like a new role. Would that be fair to say? Yes, a new role. Okay. So before, this is me talking, so correct it, but I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that maybe before it was more performance. There was music performance. 
Correct. And then there's like, I don't know what to call it. It's dance, but it's like participation or experiencing. Being free. Being free. Ah, right. And so music is one of the things that frees you or has freed you. Okay, that's phenomenal. So art. Art has the power to help you heal people. Um, I regularly write music, play the guitar, sing, whatever your thing is. And if you're like, well, I used to do this and I'm not doing it now. Uh, similar to other guests that have been on the show, like Levi Dobrinsky, get back to it. If, if you miss your instrument or if you think, you know what, I can find a new uh, way to enjoy art or the music that I used to enjoy and maybe I didn't as much or whatever your story is, find that thing. You know, Find something creative that you can plug into that uh, gets you out of yourself and into a bigger world and that involves um, joy and hope and life. There's so much life in Zumba music and in Latin music. You know, I listen to quite a bit myself. Uh, Mana is one of my favorite bands from Mexico. It's uh, <laughs> rockers from Mexico. So, well, that's wonderful. Well, we've got a few more minutes. We've got a, yeah, two or three more minutes, Carrie. Is there anything else that you would like to share with us uh, as we close? I want to tell everyone listening that recovery is possible. Do not give up, no matter how hard it gets. Keep trying. You may fall off this path a little bit, but get back up. Don't stay on the ground. Get back up and start moving where you left off, and you will find recovery. I don't think I can say anything else on top of that, Carrie. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for being my guest. Thank you. listening to the Live Your Purpose podcast. I hope you've been inspired by my conversation with today's guest. If you like what you hear, please share with your social networks and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. To learn more about the life coaching, public speaking, and retreat services that I offer, visit fullintegrationcoaching.com. And you can follow along with me on Facebook and Instagram at Full Integration Coaching. Until next time, remember, you are meant to live on purpose. Start living yours today.